Activia offers a range of yogurts which are a delicious way to look after your gut health. From the fruit range with carefully selected ingredients to no added sugar and 0% fat offering, as well as a cereals range, there's an Activia for everyone. Made with a unique blend of five ferments creating an irresistibly creamy texture, each pot of Activia is a source of calcium, making it the perfect addition to your daily routine. Activia helps support a healthy gut. Your gut is where it all begins. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry. Hello and welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, it's January. And with so many of you making New Year's resolutions for change over the coming weeks and months, one of the most common around is obviously weight loss, looking and feeling better. Well, this week, my guest is a hugely successful broadcaster, author, an influential GP in UK, Ireland, and across the world with his Feel Better, Live More podcast, which is a regular chart topper. He also has a new book out called Feel Great and Lose Weight, Long-Term Simple Habits for Lasting and Sustainable Weight Loss. It's his second time joining us on Real Health, and we're delighted to have him back. Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, welcome back. How's it going? Carl, I'm doing really well. I really enjoyed the first time we did a podcast together on your show. So thanks very much for having me on again. Really appreciate it. So how's life? I'm going to I'm gonna start there. Before we get into the book and weight loss tips and all of that, more importantly, how's life been and how's life over in the UK? Yeah, life, I've got to say on a personal level, life's pretty good at the moment. Uh, but I think that's because, you know, the way we had to live during most of 2020 and even the way many of us are having to live at the moment is, is very alien from how we've typically lived in the past. And I think depending on your own situation, you can potentially learn some things from that. And I think last year, certainly on a personal level, taught me about what's really important in life. You know, it's rushing around, commuting, traveling, you know, not seeing your family as much as you want to. Is is that the way you want to live your life? Um, There were certain aspects of that that I loved, but I've really realized what it is that truly makes me happy. And it's spending time with my family. It's being able to get out in nature. It's that feeling of not feeling under time pressure every day, which I do on on some days, but I'm really working hard to, to really prioritize my life into the things that are important to me. So although it is tough out there and there's a lot of stress and anxiety and I am not immune to that, by and large, I've got to say, I feel that life's pretty good at the moment for me. And uh, yeah, I don't want to be insensitive saying that because I know for many people, that's not how they're feeling. And I haven't felt like that for the entire time over the past nine months. But as you ask me that question right now, I've got to say, yeah, I feel pretty good. Well, health is more prevalent than ever and more important than ever in terms of mental health, emotional health, physical health. And you know, you are probably the UK's biggest promoter of health across all those kind of platforms within your podcast, between the books. And of course, now with being January, even though it's a different January to normal, New Year's resolutions are starting to kick in, uh, especially around weight loss. So your book couldn't be better timed for because people all around the country are trying to lose weight. But they are. It's, it's one of the most common resolutions, as it were. One of the common goals at this time of year is people want to lose weight. And I understand that. I really understand that. But the reason I wrote this book actually is because 
I felt I wanted to offer something a little bit different for people who are trying to improve their health and lose excess weight. I feel that a lot of the approaches are about deprivation. They're about punishment. They're about restriction. And that can work for a couple of weeks. It can work in January. But that kind of approach, in my experience, in 20 years of seeing patients, I've got to say, I rarely find it works in the long term. You know, by March, April, that's kind of out the window and people are back to where they were. So I want to contribute something different. And, and I'll say for people who do typically go on a January diet, one of the reasons why we know from the research that most diets don't work for most people, and you'll you'll notice that I use the word most, I understand that some people they find them useful, they find it helps them reset their behavior. And they helps, that it helps them learn about themselves. I am not invalidating an individual experience like that. What I'm saying is over 20 years, most people I find don't find it rewarding because in March, what happens is, yes, they lost some weight in January, but by March, they're not only back to where they were before, they're a little bit heavier, but that's not the worst thing. Worse still is that they feel like a failure. They, they feel like they failed. It's the only industry, Carl, where... We don't blame the diet plan, we blame ourselves. And what I wanted to offer people was a kind approach, a compassionate approach, an approach that frankly has never been more important. As, you, as we've alluded to at the start of this conversation, life is stressful. There's a lot of stuff going on in society that we weren't expecting. We're having to live in a completely different way. Now is the time to be kind to ourselves. We don't need to punish ourselves even further by restricting what we can eat, by, by, by putting ourselves on grueling, punishing workouts every day that, that actually stress us out even more. I'm not saying we shouldn't be moving our body, quite the contrary, but I'm saying we can do that in a kind way. So that's one reason why I wrote the book. The other reason why I wrote the book is because I wanted to show people that if you are trying to lose weight, most of you are looking at what you're eating. And I understand that. But for a lot of people, what you eat is not the main issue. Why you eat is a much more important issue. So, I mean, Carl, I would I would challenge, uh, well, not challenge, I, I would sort of um, assume that most people who are listening to your podcast right now who are trying to lose weight, I would assume that most of them know already that biscuits, crisps, and ice cream in front of the sofa at 9 p.m. every night is not likely to be helping them, right? I would sort of argue that they don't really need a new diet book to teach them that. I think they already know that. The, the bigger question is why. And the best way I can explain it, Carl, is that we used to use food to fill a hole in our stomach. Now many of us are using food to fill a hole in our hearts. When we're bored, we eat. When we're lonely, we eat. When we're stressed out, we eat. When we've, you know, the kid's bedtime's gone on too long, we eat. And, and that's okay. You don't need to make yourself feel bad about that, but you do need to understand that. And there's some really nice exercises in the book that help us understand, oh, I'm stressed out. That's why I want the biscuits. Maybe I can try something else instead of those biscuits. Maybe I can have a five-minute workout or do a 10-minute yoga flow on YouTube or read a book or put some music on or run myself a bath. Maybe it's not food that I'm craving, but it's something else. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, I think you're totally right. And I think, you know, you brought it up there. It's, it's those small little things. It's, you know, last week we had James Clear who wrote the book Atomic Habits on. It's about that 1% rule, the small things over a period of time to improve all aspects of your health, be it, emo- be it that emotional, that stress components of it. And those small little changes make we, a huge we un- difference in the long term. We underestimate that. We, we've, we've got this, um, this feeling, this, this sentiment that when it comes to health, it, it's got to be all in. I've got to go all in and check everything out and go complete detox, you know, spinning three times a week and not ever eat anything remotely uh, calorific or full of sugar. And it's kind of like it might work for a couple of weeks, but it, but it rarely works beyond that. And the truth is, not only is it kinder to yourself and you know, you, you mentioned James Clear, you know, James, uh, he's brilliant. His book's great. Um, he's just come out on my show today as well. He's a, he's such a, he's just a great speaker, but also professor BJ Fogg. He's one of the world's leading experts in human behavior from Stanford university. The research also has the same thing to make a habit change, to, to bring in a new behavior that you're still doing in March, April, May, June, you've got to start small, right? But we see it over and over again in the research. So not only is it kinder to ourselves, it's actually much more successful. And one of my favorite tips, and I'm, I'm, I'm drawn to talk about it because I can see it. Carl, you've got the best backdrop I've seen <laughs> on your uh, on this kind of Zoom call. Best one in nine months. You definitely win the award for that. It's gorgeous. And I can see in the corner, you've got some dumbbells there, right? And so I say in, the, in my new book, uh, one of the daily habits I recommend is, look, if you have a dumbbell or a kettlebell at home, and many people do these days because in the lockdowns on Amazon, they sold out everywhere. So literally for about three months, you could not buy a dumbbell or a kettlebell because everyone bought them up because the gyms were shut. So if someone has one at home, I would say, put it in your kitchen, right? Put it in your kitchen and do two, one of two things. One thing you might want to do if you're working from home, if you're on Zoom calls all day, every time you make yourself a cup of tea, Pick up that dumbbell or kettlebell and do five bicep curls on each arm. Dead easy, simple exercise, low risk of injury. And do that every time you make a cup of tea. So if you make three cups of tea or coffee a day, you would lift up that weight 30 times a day. Over the course of a week, that's over 200 times. Over the course of a month, that's nearly 1,000 times. In the moment, it will feel like nothing. But the small things done consistently will change how you feel about yourself. You'll build up your self-esteem. You'll build up, um, you know, your physique will change a little bit. You'll start to notice it. You'll start to feel better about yourself. Don't worry about the one-hour jog four times a week if that ain't your thing. If it is your thing, great. But if it isn't your thing, I promise you, just do that one thing consistently. You will start to feel better and it will help you lose that excess weight that you are trying so hard to lose right now. And it's probably fair to say too, around now, people can almost set themselves up to fail with huge big goals of trying to lose massive amounts of weight on really restrictive diets or grueling workouts for 30 days or challenges like that. We saw a lot of that in the first lockdown. There was a ma- epic challenges of running you know, marathons on balconies and press-up challenges and all that kind of stuff. And almost those, you know, for the minute percentage of people, that does work, but it's for a very minute percent. Those big, big goals in a short time frame, you're really setting yourself up to fail if you're signing up for one of those because they're very difficult to achieve. 
Yeah, and I think you you bring up a, a fantastic point, Carl. It can work for some people, and we and I'm not at all in any way trying to suggest that if it works, you shouldn't be doing that. But what I'd ask everyone who's listening to this right now to think about is, does that work for you? Have you tried that before? Or are you someone who every January, you're looking for the new thing? You're looking for the magic bullet that is going to work this year that didn't work last year or the year before that or the year before that? Because if that's the case, maybe you need a different approach. Maybe it's time for a new approach, one that's going to work in January, but it's also going to be working next January as well. And that is starting small, uh, as you so 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 beautifully say, and you know, what what James says as well. And I prefer to think about if weight loss is your goal, right? Don't fixate on how much you want to lose by what date, because what happens is if you reach it, great. But if you let's say you want to lose two stone by the end of February, let's say you reach it, well, you kind of met your goal. So what do you do on the first day of March? It's like, oh. Well, I sort of met that. Do I just go back to what I did before then? Because that's often what happens when we meet that goal. There's nothing beyond that. But also, if you don't meet that goal, it's like, oh, you know what? Screw it. There's nothing works for me. I'm going to go back to what I was doing before. So use the goal as a compass to go, okay, right, this year, I want to get on top of my health and I want to lose some weight. Okay, great. So that's there. Now, what I want people to focus on is not the outcome, but the process what are the daily steps you need to take to get there? And then forget about the goal, but get really good at these daily steps and keep it small. That could be lifting a dumbbell every time you make a cup of tea. Boom. Great. There's a really nice exercise in the book called a daily reflection. I think a lot of people try and make health change and they never take time to tap into what's working or let's say they do have the ice cream on the sofa in the evening. They beat themselves up and go, man, I am weak. I'm a failure. I can't stick to anything. And this daily reflection, something I do every day, it takes minutes to do. And it's you ask yourself two questions. What went well today? And the second question is, what can I learn today and do differently tomorrow? So it could be, the first question could be, you know what? I was really busy at work today, but I still found 20 minutes to cook me and my kids a nourishing meal. And it's just that taking that time to go, hey, yeah, I, that was pretty cool that I managed to do that today. But the second question is, what can I do differently tomorrow? And it could also be something like, last night, I was stressed out. I stayed up till midnight watching Netflix and I was knackered today. I couldn't resist sugar. I was a bit ratty with the kids. You know what? Tonight, I'm going to go to bed an hour earlier because I know when I sleep better, I've got more energy. I make better food choices. And it's just a very simple exercise that actually a lot of plans I think are missing, but actually help to tune you into what is going on. And as you get to know yourself better and you're kinder to yourself, you actually make better choices. You're listening to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. And one thing you brought up there was something I wanted to chat about, which is that there's more to weight loss than just food and movement. There is that whole stress component. There is the whole mindful reflection component. But sleep also plays a huge role in terms of health and weight loss. Yeah, uh, some you know, there's a, there's a, I think a um, one of the subheadings in the book is sleep yourself slim, right? And for some people, the number one thing they should be doing for their weight loss is addressing their sleep. And I'll explain why that is. 
We know from multiple studies now that on average, if you're sleeping five and a half hours a night compared to eight hours a night, you will eat 22% more calories the next day, right? So that means over five days of not sleeping well, you are consuming a whole extra day's worth of calories. And the reason is, is that sleep plays havoc with your hormones. So ghrelin and leptin, hunger hormone, the fullness hormone, what happens when you haven't slept well? You get hungrier and you never feel full. A disastrous combination if you're trying to you know, reduce what you're eating. You also become more emotionally reactive and you are less able to resist temptation. So I remember this 44-year-old lady patient of mine who had been trying to lose weight and improve her health for years. She would go on diet after diet every January, a bit of success, then it would fall off and she'd beat herself up. I helped her lose two stone over a few months, which has been you know over three years ago now. She's still thriving and doing really, really well. I didn't touch her diet. I just helped her sleep better. And with sleep, you know, there's loads of easy wins. I put them all in the book. You know, it's not as hard for most people to sort out their sleep. Very few of us have what we call a primary sleep disorder that needs treatment. Most of us are doing something that we don't realize in our daily lifestyles is impacting our ability to sleep at night. So yeah, if someone's listening and they think, well, that could be them, you know what? Maybe don't change your diet at the moment maybe just sort your sleep out if you can. And you might find that the diet starts to take care of itself. And one of the key things on top of that then is the environment that we find ourselves in. So many people across the world are working from home. Uh, They're in their homes a lot more. They're restricted maybe in terms of movement. I know in Ireland, we have a five kilometer restriction in at the minute. So the environment that we're around now is very different to what it was before. And people are finding maybe in terms of weight gain, that it's something that helped that they gained weight because they're at home more and working from home more. Let's chat about the environment and how important that is to health and weight loss as well. Yeah, great point, Carl. The environment actually is probably the biggest determinant of what happens to our health. You know, it was only in the 1980s where our weight started to suddenly go up. Um, We aren't the first generation of humans to be lazier, more gluttonous, more lacking in willpower than any of our ancestors. No, that's ridiculous the world around us changed. We, we had access to low quality, high energy, super calorific foods that have been engineered by food manufacturers to spike a neurochemical, a brain hormone called dopamine, which means you're going to repeat that behavior over and over again. That's why some of us can't resist certain foods because we've been conditioned to spike this dopamine up in our brain. But you can change that and I explain how to do that in the book. But The point you're trying to make is the environment influences our behavior so, so much. And so the question is then, well, what can we do about it? And I've always had this this principle that I use with myself and I talk about with my patients, which is control the environment you can control. So that's your home environment. You can control that. You know, if you go outside the house, you can't control what you're going to be marketed, what smells you're going to get as you walk past the pizza restaurant or the bakery, right? You are having to use willpower out there. I'm saying don't use willpower up in the house. If you don't want to eat something, don't bring it into the house is my best advice because you're fighting your biology. I, I'm the same. If I bring uh, biscuits or sweet things into the house, you know, 
I, I might be able to resist for a few days, but one night work will have been stressful. I'll be sitting in front of the television and I'll go, oh God, I really just fancy something sweet. And before you know it, you've, you've nailed a packet of biscuits, right? But my rule is I don't bring it here. And this happened a couple of nights ago. I'd had a day, I hadn't really gone out much and moved my body much. I'd been on the computer a lot of the day. And I, I thought I fancied something sweet. Now, I wasn't really hungry. I was just looking for something to make me feel better. And all I could see in my cupboards were nuts, olives, fruit. And I asked myself the question, do I really want anything? I thought, actually, I'm actually not hungry. I'm just, you know, I've got a bit of an itchy mouth is what I call it. And so it's not about depriving myself. It's about saying... In my house, I'm not going to bring that stuff in as a rule because I'm just making it harder for myself if I do. Uh, now, in terms of the environment, this is why that dumbbell tri uh, trick I mentioned before is so useful because most of us are in our kitchens several times a day. Even if we're going out to work, we're normally there in the morning and the evening. So you're going to be in that room anyway. If you keep the dumbbell out, you're constantly being visually reminded to pick that thing up. I almost have to trip over my dumbbell to make my coffee, which means even if I just picked it up to move it, I'm still lifting a weight, which is helping my, uh, my muscles, my insulin sensitivity, my hormones. So the point is, yes, there's a lot we can't control, but if you start to set up your environment where you make it easy to do the things you want to do, you will find that health is not as hard as you think it is. And let's chat about then what often happens to people is they have a bad day, they spiral, and all of a sudden, all the good work they've done, they put themselves under pressure that, they, that they've fallen off the wagon and can't get back on. What tips do you give to patients and even within the book and on your podcast to people who go through those kind of times where they have a bad day or a bad weekend or even a bad week in terms of getting back on track? Because that's often the thing people kind of put themselves under such amount of pressure with regards to when they have those bad days getting back on the wagon can seem so daunting and so scary. Yeah, uh, No, it isn't. But, you know, people people kind of perceive it as being that way. What tips do you have for, for, for that? Yeah, again, really, really good points. Uh, it's this kind of all or nothing mentality, which many of us suffer from. I'm either all in or I'm all out. And the truth is, we're all fallible humans. None of us are perfect. Frankly, we're all perfectly imperfect if you think you are never, ever going to open up a packet of ice cream, sorry, a, a tub of ice cream or a packet of biscuits in front of the telly in the evening, and that's your definition of success, that is a pretty high bar to achieve. I would say almost expect that's going to happen. You know, it, it's worse when we don't expect it to happen, when we think, no, 2021 is going to be my year. I'm going to be really good this year. I'm never going to do that you're almost setting yourself up for failure. And that's where that reflection exercise comes in that I mentioned before. It's a case of going, oh, okay, you know what? I did do that. Now, it doesn't mean I'm weak. Let's try and figure out why. Ah, you know what? I was trying to homeschool the kids and get my work deadlines done. I had a row with my partner. We just fought over nothing. That's why I did it. Okay, cool. Once you understand that, it's much easier to go, Oh, I wasn't a failure. I was just reacting to my day. Cool. Tomorrow, I'm going to try uh, and, and make different decisions. And it's about, again, these daily reflections is about understanding that if you have a bad day, that's okay. We all have bad days. Tomorrow, when you wake up again, it's a new day and it's a new opportunity to make 
some different decisions. Not one of us is perfect. Uh, and I think it's really important. You know, I, I struggle with sugar in the second lockdown in the UK. I, I struggle with my sugar intake. And it's not as if I don't know what that sugar would be doing to me. It's not a, you know, I've written four books about health and I've covered sugar in a lot of them. I know that with my rational brain, but it wasn't my rational brain that was craving sugar. It was my emotional brain. So I had to figure out what's going on here. And it's only by understanding it going, ah, I get what you're trying to, what you're trying to soothe here with sugar. Maybe you can soothe it with something else. And so it's it's about really getting to know ourselves better. It sounds daunting but it really isn't. And I literally walk people through how to do this in the book with with very, very simple, actionable, and I'd say free tools, things that you really don't need to get fancy with. Um, But I know it works because this is the approach I've been using for 20 years with patients. And I see time and time again, this tends to be the best approach to people in the short, medium, and the long term. Okay, so the ability to stop and reflect and look back is is a real a, an, an unused component of health. People don't really do it, but the more you can do that, the, the greater the chance of staying healthy in the long term. And like you're saying, getting to know yourself, getting to know your triggers, and that awareness piece is really really important for people. It is, called, but but also let's say, let's say, and I keep using the, the the sweets in front of the sofa analogy. So let's keep going with that. Let's say on the twenty first of January you've been in inverted commas good all month and you've followed your plan. And you know what? You've had a crap day and you you have a packet of biscuits in, in front of the telly. If you do that reflection and you understand why that happened, it's it's amazing information for you. Yes, it helps you be kind to yourself, but B, the next time you get that craving, you're tuned in to go, ah, hey, yeah, last time I had a bad day at work, that's what I did. Oh, now that I know that, and I know that last time I did it, I didn't sleep well and I was a bit ratty afterwards. Oh, I see, I get it. I need something to deal with that crappy feeling inside. I've got these other five options now. Which one am I going to pick? And it's it's really fun, actually. It's not daunting. It's a really fun experience to get to know yourself better. And, and if, if you're someone who has you know, struggled with these plans beyond two or three weeks. I think this could be the missing link for a lot of people. And final question, we've chatted a huge amount about weight loss. I'm going to ask you about your kind of top three tips generally for people who are listening in, not just for weight loss, but for overall health in terms of long-term health. What are your kind of top three takeaways for them? Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to just want to add, although, although the book is written about weight loss, the truth is, is that the health tips and the information I provided there, frankly, would help any one of us, myself included. And it was a real struggle for me because I've always promoted health first. But I realized that there's a lot of people who will only buy a book that says weight loss on it. And I thought, well, how can I speak to those people? How can I give them this holistic, rounded view? Because they're not picking up my first three books because they want weight loss. And that's why it's in the title. But I was very careful with it saying, feel great, lose weight. It's not lose weight, feel great. I'm going to help you feel great now. And that's going to lead to that beautiful side effect of weight loss. But in terms of my top three tips, wow, I guess it depends on who you are. But what would I say? I it's guess, always a terrible question to ask anyone, but I, I, I hey, always mate, like to I, ask people. <laughs> I, I know. I, I love it. I would say, well, maybe I'll just hammer home some of the points I've already made. And these are three of the daily habits in the new book. One is lift. Lift something every single day. 
and leave the dumbbell, the kettlebell in your kitchen. If all you do is five curls on each arm, that is a win. That is a success. That is you doing something proactive for your physical and mental health every day. So number one, lift something. Number two, do a daily reflection exercise, whatever you, whatever it is, but why not try those two questions every evening? What went well today? What can I do differently tomorrow? And the third tip, possibly the most important one, particularly for the times in which we're living at the moment where we struggle to see our friends, see our family, hug our friends, you know, I would say make sure you spend at least five minutes a day connecting with another human being. It could be a phone call to your best mate. It could be a FaceTime with your mother, whatever you want. But often, bringing it back to cravings, often we're craving food in the evening when we're really craving connection. We've got a hole in our hearts and we're trying to fill that hole with sugar. And I'm saying, if you make sure you connect with another human each and every single day, as much as you can, you will find that actually you compensate less with other lifestyle choices that you're trying to avoid, but you don't realize are simply your effort to fill that hole. Fantastic tips. Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Remind us again the name of the book and where people can find you online. Yeah, so the book is called Feel Great, Lose Weight. It's in all bookstores and all the usual places. Online, if you want to connect with me, Instagram's probably the best, at Dr. Chatterjee, D-R-C-H-A-T-T-E-R-J-E-E. Website, drchatterjee.com. Loads of free articles and blogs there on how you can improve your health. Probably the best place is my weekly podcast, which I, I love doing. People seem to really, really like the content. It's called Feel Better, Live More. And you could find it on all the usual podcast platforms and on YouTube. Amazing. Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, great to catch up with you again. The very best of luck with the podcast and, of course, with the new book. And we'll catch up soon, I'm sure, in person at some stage. Folks, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. As ever, you know where we are at Carl Henry PT on Twitter and on Instagram, realhealth.independent.ie. And hopefully, you liked what you heard. So don't forget to rate and review. And we'll see you next week for more Real Health. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry.